Bible, why don't you turn to Psalm, the first Psalm, number one. Psalm number one. Easy, right? Um, <clears throat> so a couple weeks ago, we kind of at the beginning of the new year, just what, I didn't share the impetus for, um, we were, we're talking about the, the blessed person, right? The person who truly is joyful. The word blessed in uh, both Old and New Testaments speaks of happiness, speaks of joy, and uh, we were thinking about um, how to really walk in the Lord's joy uh, at the beginning of the year. What is it that will set this year apart from, uh, for us than, say, for other uh, people outside of uh, Christ, those who don't acknowledge God or don't walk in his ways? Because everybody kind of thinks the New Year is this magical thing and it's going to be full of great anticipation and great joy. All the bad stuff's going to be filtered out. We won't have to experience that again and it'll all be you know, pie in the sky, and that, of course, never happens. But people that are in Christ are truly joyful. We have a true joy, and that joy comes from the Lord. And so I kind of did a little word study on the word blessed. Well, what started all that off was I was been thinking about Psalm 1 and was reminded about that word that opens up Psalm 1, blessed, right? Blessed or blessed. Let's we'll read the Psalms. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. What a great psalm that is. And we focused, well, I say we focused, we mentioned that verse a couple of weeks ago, you know, who's the happy person? Well, the happy person is the one who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, who doesn't stand in the way of the sinner, who doesn't sit in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And just kind of thinking about just the, the joyful aspect of that. I want to kind of delve back into the, the psalm more generally tonight and just kind of work our way through it. We're not going to get through the whole thing tonight, but... Just thinking about this psalm, it's a great psalm. Notice it's the first psalm, and many biblical scholars believe that it is really an introduction to the entire book of Psalms that really kind of sets the reader's, uh, or the, uh, the, the, yeah, the, the reader's mind, the reader's heart as you're getting ready to engage this great book of prayers and songs about um, how we praise God, how we express our grief and our sorrow to God, how we come together as God's people to give thanks to the Lord for what he's done, all these different uses of the, of the Psalms. There's this one that kind of just sets the direction, sets the tone uh, for the entire book of Psalms. Um, the Psalms can be categorized into various groupings, and Psalm 1 is known sometimes or categorized as a wisdom psalm, a wisdom psalm, which just means it's a psalm that is intended to impart wisdom to the reader. Now, what is wisdom? How we define wisdom? Wisdom is um, the right application of knowledge. In other words, wisdom is not merely informing or not merely communicating knowledge, but wisdom is applying knowledge so that we do what we ought to do. Okay? That's true wisdom. How many of us know people who are insanely smart, but yet they lack wisdom? Right? They know what they ought to do, they might be knowledgeable, but they are not wise because they don't do what they ought to do. So this psalm is one that reminds us of the importance of doing what we ought to do. 
right? We know, as God's people, we know we have God's truth. How then are we to live that out? How are we to put it into practice? So this psalm is an encouragement for us to walk rightly before the Lord, to walk in his way. I've used this illustration. I don't think I've used it here or not, but I think of, I think of the idea of wisdom as a road, right? Wisdom is kind of like this metaphorical road. At the very, imagine you're going on a trip, right? You're starting someplace and you're going to some destination, okay? The starting point of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? Someone who is truly wise is someone who acknowledges God, acknowledges that He is our God, He is the God, He is the God who is sovereign, who has all authority, who has all power, the God who has revealed truth, the God who tells us how we are to walk, that's the beginning point, the fear of the Lord, acknowledging the sovereignty of God, the rightness of God, the lordship of God, right? Wisdom, and then, so that's the starting point. The ending place, the destination for the Christian is our eternal re- re- reward, our eternal reward. The destination is coming face to face with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all that he has promised to us, our inheritance in Christ, Right? So that is the reward. In the Old Testament, the, the, the Israelites understood God's reward as, as the, the blessings of this life, right? And we think of that, again, not so much in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. All of our blessings, all of our joy is in Christ. But in the Old Testament, what you wanted was the good life. You wanted the blessed life, the life at peace with God, the life in which you have good relationships with your, with your family members and with your neighbors, the life in which you grow to old age, the life in which you have good health, the life in which you have many children and grandchildren and can delight in that, uh, a life of, of wealth, not again, not to have wealth for wealth's sake, but wealth as being a sign of God's blessing, not having any need, not having any lack, okay? So you have the starting point, the fear of the Lord. You have the destination point, which is the blessing of God. How do we get from point A to point B? That's wisdom, okay? Wisdom is the way in which we walk. Wisdom is, is how we orient our lives to this God that we acknowledge as our God, the right and true God, who will lead us in his joy, who will lead us into the way of his blessing. Okay? And so this psalm acts something like that. It like sets out the path for us that we should walk. It's imparting wisdom to us. It's instructing us as to how we can walk. So Psalm 1 in particular sets before us really two ways. Right? There's the way of righteousness. And there's the way of wickedness, right? Every person that lives is going to have one of two roads to take, one of two options of, of, of roads to take. Will we take the way of righteousness or will we take the way of wickedness? In the path of righteousness, there is great blessing. The one who seeks to honor God and walk in his way will be blessed. The blessing that we receive from the Lord is not given in exchange for obedience. In other words, it's not like a, like, a, like a dog, right? God does not treat us like a dog. When you're training a dog, when the dog does something right, you give it a treat, right? You're trying to reinforce behavior. God does not reward his people for their obedience in the sense that if I do right, God will give me a treat. But when we do what God has commanded of us or what he, the way he has outlined, when you do that, there is the joy and the blessing that's already kind of built into it. God has given us this way to walk so that we might experience the fullness of his joy. So the blessing that he promises is received as the ordinary part of walking. 
God builds the blessing into the fabric of righteousness. So if we live in his righteous way, then we will experience his blessing. And again, for us now living in the new covenant on this side, those blessings are to be understood spiritually, right? We may or may not have various blessings physically, but we understand that those blessings, the true blessings that God would give to us are those that are in Christ, those that are spiritual, those that we will uh, be face-to-face with in the, in the very end. Okay, so I'm not trying to preach a prosperity gospel here. That if you just simply do the right thing and walk in God's ways, God's going to give you great wealth and long life. He may or may not. That's of his choosing. But the blessings that we are promised as New Testament believers are spiritual. So in the way of righteousness, the path of righteousness, there is great blessing. But in the way of wickedness, the path of wickedness, there is condemnation. The one who does not honor God, the one who does not walk in his way, will suffer the curse of God's judgment. Now, God has been so gracious to us in numerous ways, but one way in which he has shown his grace to us is by giving us wisdom. That wisdom he gives to us by his word. We are not left in the dark regarding God's ways and God's requirement for our lives. He has graciously imparted what he demands us and counsels us how to walk in that way. So in verse 1, we read of this blessed man. Blessed is the man, right? That word blessed, we've said it just means happy. And the psalmist here defines for us or characterizes who this happy man is in both negative way, in both a negative way and in a positive way, or negative terms and positive terms. The negative here just simply outlines for us what the happy man does not. Okay? The happy man does not. The blessed man does not. What does he not do? He does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. He does not stand in the way of sinners. He does not sit in the seat of scoffers. So he refrains from doing these things. He avoids the company of sinners that would tempt him by their sin and draw him into their wickedness. Uh, Charles Spurgeon noted there's a progression here, right? Uh, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So walking, right? Walking and then you kind of slow down and then you stand. And then finally you sit. There's a progression there of becoming more and more desensitized to sinfulness and more um, entertaining the notion of wickedness and applying it to one's life, right? The sinful man progressively lingers longer with sinful company as he moves from walking to standing to sitting. And finally, when he's sitting, he's just completely at home with them. Okay? You move from walking on the way to standing around and kind of talking about it to sitting down and really being at home in the things that these sinful people do. The happy man does not entertain the counsel of the wicked. He doesn't place himself in the way of sinful people. He doesn't keep company with those who reject and mock God. In fact, the sinful company of verse 1 are the wicked that are mentioned in verses 4 through 6. The wicked are not so. So in verse 3, he gives us the, the, the blessed man is like the tree that is planted by streams of water and yields fruit in its season. But the wicked are not so like the chaff, the, the thing, the papery casing on the kernel of wheat that blows away in the wind. Nothing, right? No substance. In verse 5, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. They are, they are deserving of God's wrath for their, for their wickedness. In verse 6, the way of the wicked will perish. 
So the sinful company of verse 1 are those who refuse to acknowledge God's rightful authority in their lives, and thus they walk in their own sinful ways rather than his way of righteousness. The result is that they are ultimately judged. They will perish. So how can a man be happy who joins the company of sinful people and entertains their practices? He can't. He won't. And this is a warning to us, right? We are being lured by the world. The bright lights and flashing noises and flashing lights and and loud noises that are trying to compel us to give ourselves over to the wickedness of this age. Right? That's what we're trying, that's what we have to stand against. Those things promise happiness. But what we understand from the scriptures is that those things ultimately bring death. Okay? So, there is a warning to us here not to entertain the company of sinful people. Now, we'll say here there, there is one way, one thing to, to uh, caveat this just a little bit, okay? Psalm 1 does not mean that we shun sinful people, right? Christ has called us to go forth into the world, right? We've been called to the Great Commission. We are to go to sinners. To do what? To declare the gospel. To make known to them the light of what Christ has done. Because we are the means that God has ordained for sinful people to come to repentance and the knowledge of the truth. Right? People come to Christ through the testimony of the gospel. And who are they to be the proclaimers of the gospel? It is to be all of God's people, all those who have been saved. So we are not to, to shun the world. We're to go to the world and declare the gospel to them. We're to engage with sinful people if we are to see them believe the gospel and come to Christ. At the same time, we need to understand that we engage the world on our terms, not theirs. Okay? We go not walking in the counsel of the wicked. We go not standing in the way of the sinner. We go not sitting in the seat of the scoffer. We go with the gospel. We go with the mission. We go with a purpose. We go with a commitment to holiness and righteousness and, and seeking to honor the Lord. Uh, there's a, a, a grave error that um, just a, fr- a friend of mine, a college friend of mine, my college roommate, I may have shared this story before. Four of us lived together in college, and uh, one of the roommates that I had was a guy who my freshman year, we were in the BSU ministry together, the Baptist um, Student Union, and we were prayer partners. We you know, went to church together, the whole thing. We were, we were, we were very, very great friends. And in the latter years of our college time, he had a real burden for the lost. He really wanted to see people come to faith in Christ. And so he decided he was going to go where the sinful people were, in some ways mimicking Jesus Christ himself. And that was certainly a, a, noble, um, a noble desire. The problem was that he, um, he was not steadfast in his commitment to Christ. Rather than declaring the gospel to them and seeing them come to a knowledge of the truth, he became like what we see in verse 1 here. He became like them. And uh, in fact, as I was thinking about this psalm today, I was thinking about him, and so I, I haven't had contact with him in more than 20 years. But I had a chance to see that, that apostasy, someone who I looked up to in the, when I came my freshman year of college. I looked up to him. He was a very strong believer, very strong Christian, seemed to be a very strong Christian. Very influential in my life. 
and yet to see the downgrade in his life, to see the transition, the evolution from someone who was so faithful to the Lord or seemed so faithful to the Lord, someone who was sold out for the Lord, a man of prayer, someone who treasured God's word, go to now be someone who just totally rejects him. I happened to look him up on Facebook today to see if I could find his profile. And my heart was just grieved for him. I mean, he is 180 degrees different than what I, I knew him as. And that's the danger. That's the danger that Psalm 1 is talking about. So yes, we go to the world, we go and declare the gospel, but we must go on our terms, not theirs. We must beware of walking in the counsel of the wicked, standing in the way of sinners, and sitting in the seat of scoffers. But our delight must be in the law of the Lord, and on his law we must meditate day and night. As we think about the word, I want to take just a minute to um, mention, remind ourselves of the uh, memory verse, scripture verses that we've been putting in the bulletin. Okay, I know Tim mentioned this on New Year's Day, Sunday, and just want to mention it again, just as an encouragement, right? Um, I didn't get to talk about verse 2 like I intended to, but I'll do that another time. But I want to just reemphasize here the importance of meditating upon God's word and that this is one way that we can do that, right? Hiding God's word in my heart. What does the psalm? What does David say in Psalm 119? Hide, uh, let me hide your word in my heart. For what purpose? That I might not sin against you. Right? Was it Psalm 119, verse 11 or 105? One of those. Hide the Lord's word in your heart, that we might not sin against Him. Right? And so, Scripture memory is a great way to meditate upon the Lord's word and remind ourselves of what it said and hold it in our heart. So that when we are in the heat of the battle, when we are in the heat of temptation, when we are in the throes of, of wanting to, to give ourselves over to some kind of sin, or when we are in the throes of, of wanting to turn our, turn our way from Christ or, or to be slippery in our steadfast commitment to Him, the Word of God bolsters us up, right? And so we've been putting out a memory verse each week in the bulletin. I want to encourage you to look at that. I just wanted to see, just kind of ask, that is there anybody that knows... Some of the verses have been working on the memory that would be willing to share uh, the memorization that they've put in, into their heart already. So, for example, does anybody know Colossians 3.12? Who wants to say it? Yes. <laughs> put on then. Compassionate heart, kindness, kindness humility, humility, meekness, and patience. Very good. That's great. Good. Give it a shot. It's, it's easy when you're doing it in your mind, but then having to say it out loud and put on the spot becomes a little more difficult. Okay? So, Colossians 3.12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, Humility, meekness, and patience. Okay. Galatians 6.14. Anybody know that one? You know it, Jack? No? I saw your eyes turning. They're like, maybe you wanted to say it. That is the next verse I want to ask. 
That's Galatians 5.25. But yes, that's exactly right. Galatians 5.25. Galatians 6.14. Okay. All right. But far be it from me. Oh, really? Far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Okay? Galatians 5.25. Jack, you want to say that one for me? Say it again. Galatians 5.25. If... That's right. Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Very good. All right. This first, that's the first three weeks. Anybody learned this one yet for this week? Galatians 4, 4 through 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to do what? To redeem those who are under the law, for what purpose? So that we might receive adoption as sons. Okay? So, some of you are working on it, it's, again, it's a discipline, right? It requires time, requires effort. But let me just encourage you in that, okay? So, Jeff, let's sing something. Got something?